Hello everyone, it's Coach Heather from TikTok. You may know or remember me as Coach Heather 904. And welcome to our podcast, Get Happy and Drop the Label. In this podcast, we will discuss healing and recovering from all types of trauma. Trauma does not end at growing up. Healing the trauma starts by talking about it. We make ourselves aware and those who seek the truth will keep seeking the truth. We are fully committed to ourselves and to others at the pursuit of happiness, or we will die trying. And remember, recovery is not one size fits all. With me are my co-hosts, Kyle Johnston and Diamond Morales. And together, we make the Dream Team. And welcome to our podcast. We hope you enjoy it. Get happy and drop the label. Welcome to Get Happy and Drop the Label, everyone. We are so excited to have you here with us today. My name is Coach Heather. You may know me from TikTok as Coach Heather 904. And here with me today are my co-hosts, Kyle Johnston and Diamond Morales. Kyle has his own movement called Drop the Label. This is a safe space meeting in place for anyone that would like to recover from their trauma. You can visit his movement at dropthelabel.godaddysites.com. Kyle and I met on TikTok through our struggles through recovery and addiction. Diamond does not suffer from any addictions, but she is certified and trained to help people recover from their trauma and addictions and other things like this. Diamond has a real treat for us this evening. She is going to be informing us about trauma-informed care, which she is trained and certified to educate people in, and this is her true passion. So I personally am really excited to know a little bit more about Diamond and hear what Get she has to share. Out. Get your tissues no. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah, get your tissues. Cause she's going to be talking about uh, a video that was very heart wrenching. So yeah, viewer listening is advice. <laughs> discretion, whatever they say. Yeah. Discretion. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So actually all of that is true, except for it's going to be a little lighthearted. It's not going to be no tissues needed. Um, but yeah, so I am extremely, extremely, extremely passionate about people and when I first learned about trauma-informed care, I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is so interesting. And especially just like as a girl who's in the social work program, who just is like, oh, I'm going to save the world and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Well, I'm not going to save the world. That's what I quickly learned. So trauma-informed care was like, oh, I'm going to latch onto this and I'm just going to, I'm just going to take off. So a lot of people know what trauma-informed care is, and I feel like especially if you are listening to this podcast, you know what trauma-informed care is. So I'm just kind of going to highlight because I really, really, really want everyone to hear our thoughts about this video. But basically, trauma-informed care and the goal is to kind of shift and switch the focus from what's wrong with you to what happened to you. So having that conversation, understanding what actually happened to you that has put you in this place, kind of completing the picture of a person's life, whether that's the past, whether that's the present, probably a mix of both. If it's dealing with 
sexual abuse, if it's dealing with drug and alcohol, any of those things, they all play a play a role in itself. So this is really to kind of, especially if you are impatient, um, this is really used to kind of direct the nature of your healing. If you're not impatient, it's still the similar, it's still similar. It's really to kind of direct and focus your attention to what happened to you that is putting you in this place that you're in now. And how exactly can you get through that? And a lot of people, they feel like, oh, I can't get through it. But they also haven't had that conversation about what happened to them. So the goal is to really just recognize the signs and symptoms of trauma, especially in children, kind of one, educating them and their families, well, educating families. And then when you educate the family and you teach the family how to protect, they can then teach the children. And when children grow up in a home of protection in itself, they're less likely to suffer from trauma. So there are some principles with trauma. Um, sometimes people say they're six. Sometimes people say they're eight. I think it just kind of depends on who taught you, to be honest. But um, there's safety, there's choice, there's trustworthiness, there's support, collaboration, empowerment, responsiveness. Um, and basically, all of these are to come together and build awareness, and they're to create a supportive system for you. And it's to create a safe, whether it's physical, whether it's you know verbal, whatever your environment is that's kind of causing that trauma. All of those principles are to help you through that situation and then get out of that situation. So overall, there are typically like these three E's that people will kind of go over. Um, so one is like event and it is what event happened to you. So some people have one specific event, like their parent committed suicide. It's a very specific event. Some people have more of this next E and that's experience. Um, so it's, more so you're the victim of something that happened to you. Now, this is kind of sort of more so people who have dealt with sexual abuse because typically that is ongoing. It's not just one time. So experience is kind of more so um, with people who have dealt with sexual abuse. Then the last one is physical and mental, uh, your mental health, of course, your physical health. And that goes to both of them, of course, because your parent dies, depending on your age, probably not even depending on your age, I've never lost a parent. So I'm going to say no matter how old you are, that is traumatizing itself. Sexual abuse, especially in children, extremely, extremely, extremely hard to just deal with. It's, it's just hard. It's, it's, it's honestly almost impossible to solve it, I guess you could say. It's, it's, that's almost impossible. But teaching a child lo to love themselves as early as possible after that abuse is so important. So definitely the event and um, the experience, they go hand in hand with the effects. There's also four R's that people talk about. So the first one, realization. And that's basically literally what it says. Um, realizing that you were traumatized, realizing that something traumatic happened to you. Um, recognizing that that is in fact a trauma. So that's the other R, recognizing. Um, responding to that trauma. This is kind of the step where most people never get to, honestly, the response, the response just kind of never happens or it happens when you're an adult, but it happens after you've maybe, you know, gotten into prostitution, became addicted to any kind of opioids or drug, alcohol, anything of that nature. The response is kind of, unfortunately, the part that takes you downhill. It's the part that 
kind of makes you realize, wow, wait a minute, like I have a problem and it sucks, but that's typically the response. And then resisting is the last R, which again, goes hand in hand because resisting is just like, do you really want to stop drinking? Do you really want to go see a counselor? Do you really want to, you know, whatever it is? Um, so resisting is the last one. I don't, I honestly don't know that there's any specific order, but I do know that response is typically the one that kind of is the hardest for people. And it's the one that kind of gets people stuck. And I have never personally been to AA, but just from listening to you both talk, I feel like response is probably super, super, super important. And I'm really interested to kind of like get more into that. So what I did was I sent this video to Kyle and Heather and it is called Removed. It's been on YouTube. There's Removed 1 and Removed 2. And it has been on YouTube for probably eight or nine years at this point. Um, it's okay. This is why they think it's sad. Cause it's like heart, it's like heart wrenching. Um, but basically this, this video is a really, 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 really good video for trauma informed care. It's a really good video to use. It's a really good video, especially for teachers, especially for educators working with children. It's a really good video to just understand the response that a child is likely to have. And then remove two is so good because it shows how that child blossomed into a person and it shows the trials and the tribulations that that child potentially went through. And thankfully, I'm going to spoil it a little bit. Thankfully, in remove, they did a really good job of going full circle with it. And I love it. So yes, some parts of it might seem unrealistic, but in itself, it's a really, really good video. Now, the video I have personally used to kind of discuss adverse childhood experiences, and that is usually referred to as your ACEs, um, and there is an ACEs score, and I believe it goes to 10, I'm pretty sure it goes to 10, but basically, your adverse childhood experiences are going to be what make up your ACEs score, and so those have a huge impact on on pretty much your whole life. So your future likelihood to be violent, your future likelihood to potentially be a victim, your future likelihood to suffer from mental and physical abuse, it all plays into that. It all plays into the fact of whether you've experienced violence, abuse, neglect, whether you've witnessed violence in the home or your community, having family members who have unfortunately attempted suicide, um, or have just unfortunately passed substance use problems, of course, like I mentioned, mental health, like I've mentioned. And it's it's extremely common. And I feel like that's what people don't like to admit is it, it, it's extremely common. If any of us did our ACEs score right now, um, especially any of us like listening to this podcast, we're gonna be kind of high. We're gonna be high. We're gonna be high on the list. We're not gonna be low. We're gonna be like six and up. Um, about 60% of adults um, that have been surveyed, and this is the last time I read about it, so it could be higher, it could be lower, so don't quote me, but about 60% of adults um, that have been surveyed in the past have, ex have experienced at least one of the ACEs um, before they were like 18, so that's basically like one in six people um, have some kind of trauma, um, so 
how do you prevent that? Well, I mean, honestly, that's kind of why we're here because we don't really know how to prevent it. But what they tell you is to strengthen communities, um, strengthen your community, strengthen your family, um, promote happiness, promote wellness, promote love, promote just connecting with your children, um, teaching real skills, teaching your children that it's okay to ask a question. Just little things like that have the potential to really enhance a person's ability to not score high on their ACEs. Um, and the reason why I really, really, really love the ACEs score in correlation to the movie, well, not the movie, but the YouTube video that I told Kyle and Heather about is because in the video, a lot of people watch it and they're immediately like, oh my gosh, this is so sad. And they see like these children and they see these adults and there's so much going on in this video. So much, so much, so much. And we're going to talk about it. But something that I had previously told Kyle, and I don't know if I told you Heather, but I think I did, but I don't think I did when you watched it, but I think I did. But in this video, and this is something that I constantly remind myself of whenever I'm talking to people and making sure that I'm, you know, checking my attitude at the door and just being open. In the video, through all the chaos, when they're scanning the room, you see that there is a degree on the wall and it's like university of something. It's blurred out so you can't see like the name, but it says university of such and such. And the reason why that is important to me to remember is because what that says is somebody in that household, they accomplished something. They did something. I don't know what they did. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was in finance. I don't care. They accomplished something. And for that, they should be proud. I should be proud of them. And I just think it's really important to sometimes not just look at the person, but look at their accomplishments. Even if their accomplishment is as small as I haven't been arrested in a year. I haven't had a mugshot in a year. So what? I'm proud of you. Even if they tell me, oh, well, it's because we're in a pandemic. I don't care. I'm proud of you because you could have gone out. You could have done anything crazy and still got arrested. So I really, really, really wanted them to watch the video and just watch it with open eyes and look at everything. And now, because I've been talking for a long time, we're really going to talk about the, um, the YouTube video removed. Kyle, go ahead. Well, one, you said you weren't, but I was, you could have kept going. You were on, you're on point, <laughs> period. I, I, you had me at hello. I, I, I'll be, okay, one, I'm, I'm, I'm super empathic. All right. I can't help but feel what I see. I can't help but feel what I read. I can't help but feel what I think. And when it comes to connecting with people, I try my best not to take on other people's emotions. Guess what? It doesn't matter. My mind and my soul doesn't anyway. So when I watched this video, um, oh man, it took me right back to my childhood. It, it, I seen myself and a lot of the things that this young girl went through and her brother, I, you know, the separation of siblings. Like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, take away, like, I don't want to spoil or no spoiler alerts, right? It's, it, it is what it is. It, it put me right back into a situation where I was unable to do anything about it because I was a child. Like, the, like you know, when she talked about, uh, when Diamond mentioned, like, you know, the loss of a parent, I was 11 years old when I found my mom dying. I was 11 years old. I was in our family home. I was by myself 
It was the middle of the night. My brothers are upstairs and I find my mom. And as a child, what do you do? I didn't know what to do. I sat there with her and, and begged her to get up. Like, and then life happened afterwards. And it was just like, no matter at what point of life that was happening, I was out of control. Like the control was no longer in my hands. I just had to do with deal with whatever. And I always got told that I was either a bad kid or I was out of control or I, I don't listen. But like, I promise you, like no one other than the night my mom died when hugs were given. That was the last time that hugs were given. So. I know. Um, oh, I know for me personally too. Um, and sorry, Kyle. I uh, didn't mean to cut you off. Did you need to say something? Okay. Yeah, I know for me personally, uh, that was a heart wrenching video. Especially if you go and watch it, it's told in the perspective of the older sister, which I grew up as the older sister in my household. So that really brought up some old feelings for me. And I like that you brought up the degree. I didn't notice it in the video, but it triggered me a little bit, Diamond, because I feel bad for my stepdad. Um, and I guess my mom too, they both had degrees actually. And we grew up very affluent. And um, one thing I can say, which I, I don't think I saw it in the A score actually, it didn't talk about homelessness. And that's one thing I can say um, that doesn't really have anything to do with anything, but I was never homeless. I, I, we, I grew up in a very yeah. affluent home. And, um, what, and what happened was actually is my stepdad um, had a lazy eye and he, that he was a truck driver and he worked, him and my mom worked for his dad and he knew he wasn't going to be able to truck, be a truck driver for much longer. And they drove all the way out to California and back every week. And they made over a hundred thousand dollars a year doing that back in the nineties. So they was doing pretty good, but that's also how I got sexually molested. Cause I was with creepy grandpa four days a week, you know? So yeah. yeah. But anyways, um, so he knew that that gravy train was going to stop. So what did he do? He decides he's going to become a pharmacist, you know, and he put him and my mom put so much work and so much debt and so much energy and so much time and everything into him getting that degree and his whole family just fell apart. Just the whole thing fell apart. And I feel sorry for him when I think of it in his perspective, but I didn't ask for the abuse either. You know, that's not my fault. I was just a kid, you know? So I'm just, I don't know. I, that was just, I, I guess my, that's just where my experience with that, where it went. And I'm still proud of him for accomplishing um, all of us. You know, I got a degree, my mom, I'm glad we all got degrees and that we're able to financially take care of ourselves. But uh, uh he will always hold that over my head too so well and I feel like that's why because I when I am using this a lot of time like I said I'm talking to teachers and the reason why I feel like it's so important to emphasize it is because sometimes we get so stuck in someone's flaw like we're just stuck in oh like they're just they're just addicted to drugs. They're just an alcoholic. And it's like, no, they're not. They, they might be a functioning alcoholic. And while that might not mean anything to somebody, to me, that means I can work with you and I can, you know, get you a program that might work with you because 
some part of you is capable. And I just think it's really, it's like really important now, Heather, what I actually really like, and it's, I've never, ever, ever brought this up because I never thought of it. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the oldest sibling, so I'm surprised I didn't. But you said that she's the oldest sibling and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know what? I, y'all know I love TikTok. And lately TikTok has really been exposing like these younger siblings and like their lack of understanding that there was life before them. And like, they're all like, oh, my older sister is saying like, my mom and dad were like this. My mom and dad were like that. And they're like, not, they're like taking away from the experience of like their older sibling. And I'm reading, I'll be reading comments. I'm like, but you weren't even alive. Like, they'll be like, oh, my sister's like 15 years older than me. Okay. Well, those 15 years were probably not the greatest 15 years maybe your family maybe your parents had your sister when they were 18 and they had you when they were 36 I don't know but like it's a different world and so when you said that I'm like you know what it's so interesting because the little boy's name is Benaya and it's crazy because I would love to like I would love for him to be like remove three and do it in his eyes like what would he see I would love that too, because I've always had my um, mentality and perspective from myself as myself. And that video was in the older sister, but I all the time wondered, like, what did my little sister think about me? You know, because like, I know he would think she's a protector, like for sure. Oh, completely. But like, I just like, I totally like wonder, but I love the fact that you did point that out, that like it is told in the older sister's perception, because honestly, like she is, she is basically an adult. Like she is playing the role of a parent to her little brother who can't walk, he can't talk, he can't feed himself, he can't do anything. And there is a specific name for these kind of kids. And I literally cannot think of it right now. There is a name for kids who raise their siblings. Um, something that she says in the video that I really, really love. Okay. So like, it makes me sad, but like, I love it. So one of the things she says, these are not quotes by the way, but she talks about that the sun is always going to come up. So in the like, East. Yes. Yes. She, she always, always looks towards the East because yes. she knows no matter where she's at or what's happening, that the sun will come up in the East. And I love that. Like, I love that about her. And that part makes me happy. And I definitely am just saying these backwards, by the way. So this next, this, this one is a little more sad, but she says something about like some, like she says something like sometimes something makes you hurt so bad. You just, uh, it just stops hurting at all um, until something makes you feel again. And then it all comes back. And then she says like, you know, every word, like every heart, like every hurt, like she just, she explains it so well of course I know it's not her I know some adult probably wrote this but it is explained so well and it It, really just makes me it literally depicted a childhood trauma but like an, an adult looking back at that moment and having the right words for the right moment for the right time yes like because when you're a child what you 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 stay what they would call in a child's place but like not I had to stay in a child's place I my 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 rule of thumb was like not to get in the way and not to be a a burden because I didn't want to get hit 
I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to be hit. I didn't, that was like hitting was a thing for, you know, after my mom passed, like being afraid to say the wrong thing or opening the fridge too many times or saying there was an issue or a problem. And it didn't help because like my brother and I found out growing up and getting older that my brother felt like I took away, there goes my cat. So I'm just going to talk about that in a second. Wow. I know. I really. Oh, go ahead, Diamond. No, because I was going to say, I really love that you just said that older sibling part. Like now I'm like, my brain, my wheels are turning. (laughs) Oh, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, because I know. Yeah, because, well, also, you know, I had a, you know, kind of similar thing happen with when my sister, when she had to leave last year. So that reminded me of my sister because I had a, a similar situation. And um, also, you know, it made me feel sad because when I was younger and I was growing up, um, I, I always had to take care of my siblings and I was like kind of mad at them and my parents for it because I didn't really want to. So she was nice to her little brother, but I was mean to my siblings because I didn't really want to take care of them. So, um, and I still love them, but I was just also really mean, so. Well, girlfriend, it was definitely just a YouTube video. (laughs) In real life, she (laughs) probably wasn't. (laughs) But I like, but the video does such a good job of touching on like the aces and just like. Yes. Oh, and I brought that up, what the aces are. Cause I wanted to know exactly what aces are and there's 10 of them and um, they've got them um, into three sections. The first section is abuse and it has three um, sections under abuse, which is physical, emotional, and sexual. Each one of those is an ace, correct diamond? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Correct. And then the second column says neglect and there's two sections under neglect those are physical neglect and emotional neglect. Um, so that's five so far. And then the third column says household dysfunction. There's five under this column. It says mental illness, incarcerated relative, mother treated violently, substance abuse, and divorce. And in total, there are 10 um, under these three columns. And like you, I think depend. well, sometimes it's on pieces of paper. Like I have had people do them on pieces of paper and people have been like, oh my gosh, I'm an eight. Oh my gosh, I'm a 10. Oh my gosh, I'm a three. Like, and it's always interesting the people who are really low because like in social work, and this is like no shade to people with social work degrees because obviously like I have one. But I've noticed there's like two types of people in social work. You have like the people who have never experienced anything and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to save the world. And then you have people who have gone through like the gutter and they're like, I just want to help someone be different. And I feel like in that moment when like all the adults are taking their tests and they're seeing it, it's almost like they're all like kids again and they're realizing like, wow, like my life was fucked up. Or wow, my life was really easy. And 
like even when I'm talking to you Heather I'm like wow Florida is such a crazy girl like but that's a score like that gives you a point that I don't get like it's so important because literally like just you living your freaking like low-key racist wherever the heck in Florida you live at it's a score that that's your community like community is literally an ace and you would mark that down because it's not an ideal neighborhood like that you know unfortunate sexual abuse that's a mark it's just like it humbles people like me and I wish that everyone like kind of like was required to do that because before you can speak to somebody like I feel like to some extent you should know what they've been through and if you can't 100 percent relate to what somebody's been through then you shouldn't be allowed to point the finger at them and tell them that you know they're handling it wrong because because who am i to tell you yeah like who the heck am i to tell you that you shouldn't drink your life away for going through sexual abuse and i've never been sexually assaulted how the heck do i know but you have those people that are the uh old school version you know the you don't you you toughen up right well you just deal with it or still you know hold it in a man up whatever i don't know what they say to women when they want women to get over it but like for for a male you know i I identify as a as a you know a a man i am a man a he you know a guy um and then for me to be told to man up you know like it's time like two days after my mom passed my uncle looks at us and says it's time for you boys to grow up like what does that mean so there was no more crying okay there was no more you know, there were like, I don't know what a cuddle was, right? Like after my mom, like I remember, I remember sitting on the couch with my mom and she would always like sit up on the couch to where she would lean her arm on the armrest and she would put her legs up like, and like, a, you know, like a, like when you put your legs towards your butt, but like, she would always leave space for me to sit in the back of her legs up against the couch. And it was like the most comfortable place in the world to be. And then when she passes, then I go from being comfortable and being cuddled on and being loved on to being told, you know, shut your mouth clean. You didn't clean. Like I, there's a, there's a scene. If you ever seen the movie, the Jackson five, um, the Jacksons would always get whooped into submission, right? If they made a bad move, they didn't dance correctly whatever. And I remember the scene where uh, the father looked at Tito and told Tito to get a switch. So like, and it's not funny, but if you know that scene, Tito get a switch. Like it was, it was like the moment where you've seen like, this was the way, why they were so good at what they did. So like, I remember my uncle, like every time we dropped the ball, it was like the the realization that I made a mistake and like, when is the punch coming? And it always came before I knew it was coming. Like it was like months in, it was like two in the morning. I got drugged out of the, out of my bed into the kitchen and he stood me up by my neck and looked at me and pulled up a glass and said, this cup isn't clean. And as he hit me, he said, take all the dishes out the cabinet and do it again. So I'm, I'm 12 years old, rewashing every dish in the cabinet because one wasn't clean. Could you imagine the the impact that is on a child that just lost their mind? I went from one loving world to one cold one. But when I found addiction, um, 
people like when I got to a place where people found out they're looking at me like why would you why would you ever put why would you you know my brother was like why would you ever like heroin he's like life was that bad you did heroin I'm like I don't know if you forgot but you were 18 when mom died I was 11 and when you went off doing your thing me and my brother Keith were left to the will of a man that thought beating children was the way to get them to learn so for me to make up the excuse, which I did, well, my uncle taught me the best he could. No, I never deserved to be hit by you. I never deserved to be trampled on by you. I never deserved to be mistreated by you. I never, like, to be a child and your uncle say, I'm going to kill you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So when you look at these, hey, like what, what you said, Diamond, Check. like, before you can judge somebody, how about you become acknowledge yourself and become knowledgeable to what their life was like before you start looking down at someone? Because you never know. It's really important. Like, and I think that that's 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 what makes me nervous about people, though, is because like when you know when we're ha- when we're having different conversations, we're talking about some of the reasons why people get into AA, well, like the leaders of AA or whatever, I don't know what they're called, I don't remember. Those people, those people make me nervous. Like when you guys are talking about them, I'm like, wow, like they're doing this stuff. They're like, you guys have said, like these people are coming to them for safety and they're being assaulted. And that is so scary to me. And it upsets me so much because like, the amount of energy and effort that I have put into understanding someone's trauma and then just this person who maybe has some money and they go open up a halfway house or they start a meetings or they whatever and they just take advantage of these people I'm like you didn't even put the time and effort into this that I had and because of that like you're just damaging these people and you're not you're not fixing them. And sometimes, honestly, like you have to be willing to fix a person in, in, in our stance, like not in you as a stance of the people who are looking and seeking recovery, but in my stance, if I'm coming to you and I'm saying, I want to help you, I can't take advantage of that. So it, I'm like so disgusted when I hear you guys talk about these creeps. It. It blows me away. So I need people to also try to check out if you haven't heard of it yet or you have. There is a also it's on Tubi. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. It's called The 13th Step. It was a documentary created to acknowledge and bring awareness to what happens, what actually happens in a 12 step facility environment fellowship like and no, yes, we'll say it again. I'll say it every time. Not everybody in AA is like this, okay? But out of 50 AA members, 10 of them are the good ones. The rest of them are the ones that figured out they have power in a place where people have no hope. Yeah, I literally just finished watching that video right before we started recording this podcast. And I was so blown away because I was like, oh my freaking God, because when I was watching that video, it's about an hour long, but you guys check it out. You can find it for free on Tubi or Google, like Kyle said, but I, I immediately now as an almost 30 year old female adult, you know, that I'm a little bit like, oh, you know, like consciously aware of my life. 
I immediately realized how many times when I was in AA, I um, ignorantly put myself in a very sketchy, um, dangerous situations where men could have taken advantage of me. And the only reason that they did it. And I, and like, like, I don't know, like my therapist tells me this all the time. She's like, Heather, I'm so proud of you. You always speak up for yourself. And I'm like, no, I don't, but she's right. I do. Cause every time I felt a little sus, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Hey, you know, we gotta kiss me. What the fuck, man? And I just thought but, like, I deserve that. And I didn't tell anybody, but now I realized that if I didn't have like that, Hey, what the fuck kind of like spirit. Inside they probably would have forced themselves on yes, you, but you yes, turned into a yes. squirrel and don't nobody just go up and pet a squirrel. Like, and it's not the fact that you put yourself, you yourself put yourself in these situations due to lack of knowledge, but like, you come into a place where the one thing they tell you is that we are going to love you until you love yourself. So imagine you got all these adults that have traumatic lifetime experiences, right? Not everybody goes through the like, worst of the worst, but most of us, like everything that has ever happened, whether it be the worst or like it happened and it was traumatic or it was like it affected them personally, no one's ever coped with it. We haven't talked about it. We haven't shared about it. No one's made it to therapy. So you got all these people coming in. Their, their inner child is bleeding out. And then they're told, well, this place here, people really care. People are going to protect you. This is a safe space. This is a, you're welcome here. No one will ever kick you out. This is all you have to do is want to change. What do they call it? They say the only thing you need to, to have and to be a, a member is the desire to quit. Doesn't say you have to quit, but as soon as you swallow that pill and you say, okay, here I am, this is what I'm going to do. Now I have to give away everything that kept me alive. Now I have to give away free will. Now I have to find a higher power, which if you do any documentation and you look back in the books, all, all Bill did was change. He went from God to higher power because he knew people would be more accepting of it. Like it's a Christian based program, but they took out Christian and said non-religious because I mean, you have to pray in and pray out every session. Like these people yeah, with the Lord's prayer. Yes. <laughs> so the government shook hands and said, we like what you got here. In fact, let's shake hands. Allow us to send some of our less fortunate people your way. And they agreed with whoever was standing up top. I want to say Rockefeller. You can don't quote me, but I, I, I do a little digging myself. They shook hands a long time ago with AA being a place where people and, and, and members in the beginning had a problem with the government sending, you know, criminals and whatnot and offenders. But then if you watch the 13th step, these offenders that they send, now you got your regular run-of-the-mill people like us, right? Drunks, people that have, not even drunks, excuse me, that's harmful as shit. People that used alcohol to cope with feelings they couldn't control. People that use substances to cope with feelings they couldn't control. Right. Because if, if it wasn't for for me, it was heroin. There was a time in my life where I didn't feel like living. Drugs got me through that moment. Right. And then I got out of control. So you got all these people that show up. You get caught, you know, drinking and driving, you get a DUI. You get caught with uh, criminal tools. You go to jail. They say, OK, we're going to put you in a drug treatment program. It's either 
they send you there. But then the 13th step ex ex exposes the fact that the court system will send convicted rapists. They will send in convicted child molesters. They send in convicted murderers. They send in con like convicted, meaning they had information they had they they you were tried by a group of your peers and you were found guilty and they look at them and the person knows about aa and they go well i have a drug problem or i have a drinking problem well they know either way they're going to make money so they send all these people to to, to a 12-step program and this is why i always say like the 12-step program understands that they get people whether they want to come there or not so this is why it's important that you guys step up your game and why having a program with people that are trauma informed would be so much better because if you know that criminals of all ranges come in your doors, but you have predators in your midst and you still don't take account to how dangerous things are like to say it's a safe place and no, it's not. You have to be careful women like this, this 13 step video expressed murders that happen by 12 step members, but the 12 steps will not take account or address how they might've played a part in any way, shape or form. They will never admit to 12 steps or the fellowship being a problem. They always put it back on the individuals. Mm -hmm. So murders and rape and mm -hmm. money embezzling and loss of like, just all these horrible things happen. And they say, well, that's just, you know, people and personalities. Yeah, no. literally when people break into their establishment and steal all their money out of the safe, they'll be like, well, they just needed it more than we did. <laughs> they like, won't what? even call the police if a yeah, member was sexually assaulted or beat up. They 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 put it, they make them put it on steps. Or they they force people in the into what they will call a resentment. You know, well, you have a resentment. I know that person hurt you. We can't do nothing about them, but let's work on you. So now we're just forcing trauma and telling people to put a bandaid on it. When I watched that video, there was this, it made me sick to my stomach. There were, uh, I don't know about y'all's clubhouse, but the one I got sober at, they had those um, Alcathon things, you know, where they stay open 24 hours on holidays. Yes. And um, my first Thanksgiving, um, I had nowhere to go. I didn't have any family or I feel like I'm going to cry telling y'all this. And it, it was my first holiday all alone. And um, my son was with his dad. So I literally was all alone. And um, so I went to the clubhouse and it was like um, two o'clock in the morning. And I was just, and there was a guy up there who signed up to be up there. And I recognized him. I think his name was Craig or something like that. He was a real nice guy. He was a Marine. And he just, you know, got mixed up with alcohol in the Marine. But overall, he seemed like a nice guy. And I used to smoke cigarettes. And there was like this smoke pit. And I was just sitting out there by myself. And um, this guy I never seen before came up there and he had this big truck and he told me this sob story for a long time about how his daughter died um, in a car crash and that's why he was drinking so bad and he was real sad and I was real sad and I was and um, I was going to leave with him and he said where do you want to go and I said I want to go to Ruth Chris because I'd never been to Ruth Chris before <laughs> 
and I was about to get in his truck with him and, and I never met this guy before or, or anything. And there was something inside of me saying, Heather, don't go with him. But I wasn't going to listen because I was so freaking lonely. And um, as I was about to get up and finish my cigarette, put it out and get out and go with that guy, that guy, Craig, was in the clubhouse watching me the whole time. And he came out there and he said, Heather, I've been in there watching you. He said, don't go with that guy. Don't go with him. He said, he don't trust him. He's lying to you. I know oh, it. That is a 12 step, a genuine 12 step member. Okay. Because here's the thing. There are good AA members out there. And I understand you guys that our rooms are overran by imposters and copycats that have been manipulate and they body broker people. And they, all they want is the numbers. They go for the insurance. They go for the money in the pocket. You'll have people with sober homes where they got 16 people living in a three bedroom house, charging everybody 450 to $500 a month. But imagine if we all started standing up and protecting our own. Imagine when you see the groomer grooming those young women that have six months to a year and that member has 15 years to 20 and you say hey bill how about you go home to your wife right how about we start standing up for those women that get sexually assaulted how about we start standing up to those men whose support groups say you can't be a father yet because you haven't done your steps allow people to live their lives the 12-step sponsor is only supposed to sponsor people by taking them through the steps, not dictating how they breathe. And I am so glad that Craig stood up and looked at you and said, not that guy. Me too. And after watching that video, I truly believe with every fiber of my being that he either saved my life that night or he saved me from something real bad happening to me. And, and that's, I agree. there's that, a that's bunch a of truth. people, there's a bunch of people like, I mean, this happens in life as it is with people having traumas and having to one day stumble upon a way of like coping with and healing through, but like, this is a focus center, right? Where people in recovery, it's a, it's like a focus point of traumatic experiences. So all these people end up bonding, trauma bonding through these experiences. So you end up bonding with people you probably never would have gave a moment to it's like oh you lost your mom too and now we're best friends and then a year goes by and i'm noticing i don't really care how you treat people or i don't like what you're doing and why did we and as you start to grow and heal out of those trauma responses which they would say in the program you got defects of character and i don't that's not true you're not defected right you're not, you're not, you're not broken. You're hurt. So it's like, I start growing out of my pain and I start realizing, and that was, that's what happened to me. I started realizing that I was being a closed minded, hateful. And I'm going to say a really strong word here. I was bigoted. I was a bigot to other ways of recovery because of how I was taught. Like I was indoctrinated to fear other pathways because if I was to go off on my own, I would die. That's what I was taught. I, I would die if I drink. I would die if I stopped going to AA. You're going to die if you do this. Like I would make a mistake and my sponsor would pull out $20 and be like, go ahead, bitch, get one because you're about to get high anyway, how you're acting. 
I mean, like every year I got a recovery, they'd be like, you're still sober. I could have swore you was about to die. Like, why is like that? I mean, like, I'm telling you, I would get hit with that. And there's people that like, I mean, like we like, that's how they taught people was with fear. And I'm looking at, so when I started speaking up about how people deserve to be treated better, people deserve to be loved on unconditionally, like people in recovery, it doesn't matter if you're abstinent, MAT, still using drugs, like you deserve to be treated with care. I said, 12 steps needs to be trauma-informed. Us people in the positions of responsibility need to start speaking up against these harms. And I'm looking at these treatment centers and stuff, and I'm like, why are you guys just allowing this to happen? And this is why, because this is the 13th step. Like, this is what they do. Can you or Diamond speak more about trauma bonding? Because I'm just now learning about that and I kind of know what it is, but I would appreciate it. I think y'all know more about it than me. My first question is, can you hear my cat meowing? No. You don't hear her? I don't personally. This is, a, this is a good mic then. Okay. So as long as you don't hear her. So I, when I started Drop the Label, my goal was to just inform people. One, be a safe space for people that have been harmed and like ostracized from their support groups of any kind. And two, it was to inform people of definitions and language that as a support group member, you don't find out because once you know, it's kind of hard for people to fool you. So I will look up because I want to read the definition first before I speak on it. And like but. for me, like trauma bonding, well, for me, trauma bonding is typically more so um, abuse related, yeah, um, more so like physical abuse related. So like a woman is in a domestic violence relationship and you know he is a, he's extremely abusive he or she is extremely abusive however there is that attachment to him or her whoever their significant other is that it almost makes it like impossible for the woman to leave um so that and it doesn't even have to be just be domestic violence it could be you know, a kid that was kidnapped, it could be like right. almost anything that is a relationship that is kind of like toxic and really shouldn't be, but you almost gain like this like affection and um kind of like Charles Manson. Isn't it almost like, like the Stockholm syndrome thing? I mean like a little bit uh eh, like much not really, but kinda because it is so general where Stockholm is more like, like, yes, like but people no. People use it so generally speaking on TikTok or lose it, use it very loosely in- Like trauma bonding or Stockholm? At trauma bond. No, because, you're right. Yeah, I feel like yeah. the way you're describing it, and that sounds accurate, Diamond, but when I see it on TikTok, I feel like people use that so loosely. So, I just personally well, I definitely that. will say that it is a loose term. Like, it is a term that was kind of, like, taken, and it is loose. Like, it can literally be, like, as simple as, like, you're in love with somebody. It's like, you're so infatuated with somebody that you're dependent on them. And by being dependent on them, you 
are losing sight of the things that they're doing wrong. Like, like how Kyle's right. example of like a year later, you're looking like, why am I friends with this person? Okay. Well, some people don't have that realization until like 10 years later, maybe right. they had a child with this person. So it's just like, they've kind of lost themselves. They've lost control of their situation and they're really dependent to this person. I have more experience with trauma bonding when it's dealing with people and domestic violence situations that I haven't seen it on TikTok. So I can't immediately think of something, but like, and that's where I would think the difference would come in is Stockholm is kind of more so like psychologically done over a long period of time, right? Yeah, where like your people talk about the trauma bond with the narcissist and um and oh yeah confused yeah. like with the different narcissist types like the like they say covert narcissists and I just get confused with all those terms and everything so that's why I was asking y'all that because it was a lot of terms I was well with with what Diamond said and you're right with like you know Heather when you said to the definition because it says here that trauma bonding is the attachment and abuse person feels for their abuser, especially specifically in a relationship with a cynical pattern of abuse. The bond is created due to a cycle of abuse and positive reinforcement. So imagine, okay, did you hear that, right? I just got to make the connection. The bond is created due to a cycle of abuse and then positive reinforcement. And then here it says to, to continue seven stages of trauma bonds love bombing so you come into a program of what acceptance love and tolerance and they love the crap they just man they just want to we love you you're you're so welcome here and all of a sudden trust and dependency we will never we'll never let you go you're you're you're, we're family now all these things you all know about it and then here comes the criticism and then here comes the manipulation and then here comes giving up control. They want you to give their, your will and your life over to a God of your understanding and then losing yourself because you can't be who you were. They say, there's only one thing you got to change. And the one thing you got to change is everything about you. And then the addiction to the cycle. How many times do people like, I mean, and this isn't just 12 step, this could be any kind of program that, you know, talks about helping people recover and change. But from from my experience, man, I have watched people come in and out of the 12 step fellowship over and over and over and over and over again. And not be not saying that they shouldn't, but it, they it, it is expressed that if this doesn't, you know, to do something over and over again, what is that the, the definition of insanity? But for some reason, it doesn't apply to people coming back to AA. I have watched men and women show up to their home groups, express that they've relapsed or they've fallen off and they're coming back a month later. And then I have watched people with subsequent time look at them in in front of everyone and shame them and talk down to them and belittle them and degrade them. And not one member out of 20 to 40 people in that room, not one person stands up. And says anything against it but nothing in the 12 steps say to do that so when i when we speak of like this whole trauma thing imagine these adults 
still being traumatized, especially in a place where they have hope. And I even had this question and I formed it a while ago. And I was like, have you ever heard of, you know, anyone going to a 12 step program of any kind and shooting the place up? Right. Like, just play with me here. I'm like, have you ever heard of anyone walking into a meeting, a treatment center, a sober house and like just beating people up or shooting and stabbing them? And after asking this question for a while and people saying no, I said, right, you never have. I said, do you know why? Because regardless of how bad we get treated, these people truly want a different way of life. So they're not going to sacrifice their last bridge of walking over and finding something better. But you have members that say they're good members, but they don't stand up for the abused. So these people are giving their very last hope to find some kind of happiness, right? And they're being mistreated and taken advantage of. So then you go back to that child who should have been protected. So for these AA members that say they're good people and that you had a good experience and that doesn't happen at your meetings, it would be appreciative if you stand up and start standing up and speaking out against the people that are mistreating people because I started doing it and I was ostracized from an entire city for telling the truth, you know, and I'm going to keep doing it. The last meeting I ever chaired, um, they asked me to stop chairing the meeting because I did not cut a gentleman off after four minutes of sharing because he was sharing about how he was drinking and driving. And unfortunately, um, his family didn't make it, but he did. And they wanted me to cut him off after four minutes because it was taken up the meeting. And I well, was he like, obviously needed to say it. Yeah, I was like, how can y'all be so cruel? I'm like, what is the deal with the four minutes? Like, come on. You and know, honestly, that's the, it's like, this is very shallow, but it's the truth. His story was probably the most important story in the room that night. Right. Because for anyone who doesn't abuse, and I'm using that lightly because for the people who are not addicted to alcohol, we still get drunk and we still might drive. And I think the common thing that you think of as a parent is by you drinking and driving, you're risking my children. You're risking hitting me and killing me and killing my family. Now, karma got his ass twice because it was your family. You put your family in the ground and you're still here. And you have to walk this earth every single day knowing that your family is in the ground. The most important story was told through him. And hopefully it touched somebody Hopefully it made a difference because that is literally like, I literally do not care in the sense of, I definitely think that if you have an addiction to something, to some extent, it's, it's yours and you are entitled to it until you are ready to face it. Because who am I to tell you to stop except for drinking and driving? Because you can hit me and I have my two children in the car. And you take away this short little bit of life 
I don't even have a two-year-old yet. You, you take my two-year-old out. So I think that that story is so powerful. And I just know that he has touched so many people with that story. And I'm so happy that you didn't cut him off because a lot of the time I feel like, unfortunately, people who I have talked to, they don't seem to think that it can affect anybody besides them. Like it doesn't hit them until it's their own family. It's like, it has to be their family for it to matter. And that's really crappy, but that's just the reality is like, you know, oh yeah, I'm just going to do this. Oh, I'm just going to snort this and I'm going to drive all the way to the other side of town. It doesn't matter to them because if they die, they're dead. And if they hurt somebody else, I mean, oh, well, whatever. But when it's their kid, now it matters. And I think that's, I'm so happy that you didn't cut him off and I'm happy that you allowed him to share that. And I hope that in his journey of, you know, recovery, that that moment has turned from karma into like some crazy blessing and testimony for him. And, you know, I hope he's doing well now, but. Yes. Yeah. That's the only time I ever saw that gentleman and I, wished him all the best and I think I shook his hand and told him thank you for having the courage to tell that story and I told those other people to suck something right <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you <laughs> is that really why you were asked back for that part? like for for all those people whether you are in recovery for addiction you know, substance abuse, you're in recovery for whatever. I'm pretty sure there's people right now in life outside of addiction recovering for all types of reasons. I I just need to say that the world is filled with tough people. The world is filled with hardcore people, like shoot them straight type. The world is filled with people that cannot express caring emotions okay so i don't think we need any more people that do tough love in the in the form of abuse right like if you see yourself as someone that's supportive yeah be honest please be that honest best friend don't don't say you're my friend and you won't tell me i got either a booger in my nose or crust in my eye Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like we we ain't friends if you let me walk around funky, right? Like, or if you was like Craig and saw some weird going on, some sus. Right. Don't don't let me just walk off with some suspect and then I end up missing. So like trauma-informed care, whether even if you just watch or read like a 10-minute read, okay, it's all over. All you got to do is Google it. Like that's, this is what bothers me. It is so easy to gain information today. I had a sponsor that kept, he always told me, stop asking why. And I was like, but I can't. I'm like, well, I want to know why. Like, what's the why? Because the why would, what in in turn in their mindset would create more issues or more things that I can't control. But when I started asking why, I started waking up. Like, this says love and tolerance. We don't seem that tolerant and we don't seem that loving. It says, no, it says, you know, everyone's welcome here. Then why are we shaming people out the door that have come back and stated they relapsed or like, what, why are we not going out into the world and living our lives? Why do I got to be here? Maybe in the beginning, it, it creates great structure. But at some point in time, 
people deserve to get the life that they've been wanting to live. You know, so it's like, I'm a kid. My my inner, I mean, I grew up and through traumatic experience like yourself, Heather, and I'm sure like a lot of people listening right now and their eyes are probably opening and their hearts are opening and their ears are listening. And it's like, man, like, you know, what's great about knowing about this stuff. Whenever I do it to my kid, I stop. When I get ready to raise my voice to my kid, I'm like, girl, if you don't, and then I'm like real quiet in the back. And then I'm like, oh, I'm about to do this. And when she starts stopping her feet and I'm like, you go ahead and have your moment. Because for her, she's expressing her emotions and it's allowing her to get them out instead of force them in. Like I, I get to be a healthy person to people around me. No, I agree. And I think only because this kind of just crossed my mind. So like, it is definitely pride month. So shout out to everyone. Um, And here where I live, it's uh, pride is on Saturday. And I was talking to my friend and like, we're going because like, um, he's married to a man and so we're going to celebrate and have a good time and I was like oh I'm so excited I'm gonna make me a new little friend and blah 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 because like I, I can talk to a wall and he's like why do you like going so much and I told him I was like you know why I like going because I was just like I have two parents and they love me and I mean I think they might love me if I was gay I don't really know because I'm not I was like but I've learned through all these last few years that people's parents really just stop talking to them because they're gay, because they're lesbian, because they're however they self-identify, however they identify. And it makes me sad because I'm like, you know what? Like, especially because we're tra- talking about trauma and that's why I'm mentioning it is your parents are supposed to love you. They are supposed to protect you. When you are a child, who do you idolize most? The people closest to you, who those people happen to be? your parents and maybe your sibling and the fact that one thing about who you are as a person that has absolutely nothing to do with their life should not matter who you lay down with makes them look at you differently you have now lost depending on when you came out you have lost your parents in a sense the people who are supposed to love you and protect you and support you and who have always told you oh I'll love you no matter what no your love is conditional your love was conditional on me right. being heterosexual and with being pride month and with us talking about trauma-informed care something that i have literally just noticed and i could just be behind is that in aces it does not talk about your sexual orientation um right i think that's important i think that there needs to be some acknowledgement in the in the system in the whatever that there are people that that one change is going to be the spiral for their whole life. And how do I ask you to love yourself when the people you love most in this world don't love you? Um, And so I don't have the answers for that, but to any and everyone who is celebrating pride, I, and I'm just gonna assume Kyle and Heather are too. So we, 
are definitely here. Hit 100%. us up. I am a mom. I might not technically be old enough to be a mom, but if you need me to be a mama, I can definitely adopt you. I can be your mom. I love you unconditionally. I don't care. Whatever you need, I'm down. Don't even care. Um, I was telling my friend, I was like, you know what? Like, if my kids are like gay or anything, I don't even care. Like, don't feel like you have to tell me. Just come home with whoever. And I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, like, if you guys want some ice cream, like, I'm not even here. And I really stand by that. But as someone who is definitely super obsessed with always educating myself, I want to now kind of, and I'm going to update you guys, look into trauma-informed care and homosexuality and just see where do they stand in that? Because that's really important. And what if that was your trigger? What if that was your event coming out to your parent? What if that was your event? We don't have the answer for that. I haven't, I haven't been taught it. I haven't learned it. I haven't read in a book and I have a master's degree. So I'm going to make that my homework assignment and I'm going to look into it. Thank you, Diamond. That you're on the ball, man. I um, yeah, you are. I've never, I I I've never been against any one person for any way they chose to express themselves. I always felt the odd one out because I'm I'm the black kid that likes listening to emo music over Tupac. Like <laughs> I like <clears throat> watching anime and. I was, you know, into the nerdy stuff and like, it always felt like there was no, there was no one way side or form, but like, I'll be honest with you. Like it was a, it was a, it was a gay man that expressed to me never to let a, anyone, especially white men or women tell me that I'm the whitest black man ever. In fact, he told me how racist that was and told me I need to stand up for myself. I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying his name, but I'm just going to say Ryan but he was a coworker of mine when I worked at Thrive Peer Support and he acknowledged something in myself that I was afraid to acknowledge. And I want to say congratulations because him and his partner got married and I'm proud of him, but he gave me something that no other man or woman gave me growing up. I always felt ashamed that I listened to rock music instead of rap. I always felt ashamed for watching anime because it wasn't the thing that a black child should do. Like, why are, like, we just live on a planet where a bunch of people get to dictate how you get to human. Right. Have you seen that thing on TikTok going around that scam? Like, like, is it a scam? Like, stitch this if it's a scam? Yeah. And one of them was like gender. And she basically just said, because it's like from the moment you're born, people start deciding like literally what color you're going to wear and stuff. And I was like, actually, you know, like a a pretty decent point. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. Um, in regards to sexuality, my mom swings both ways. Um, to a, I have eight siblings, and at least half of them swing both ways. <laughs> so um, I've never, I've always shamed myself. Um, and I'm not saying I swing both ways, but I'm saying I've never even allowed myself to even ponder that because of all of the shame I've had because when I was growing up my family said I will disown you if you are gay or if you come home with a black man yes Yes. what welcome welcome 
welcome. Yep. Listen. Except they were, they were, uh, they said the Q word and the N word, or maybe the F word. They were very mean about it. So I got as close as I could, married a Filipino. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, I want to say I was like 14. And my first ever, like my first, first girlfriend was a white girl. And she was like one of the licensed white, like she was, she was, she was extremely kind to me. And I brought her home. Just so I, like, I was proud to bring her home. I was like, look, it's my girlfriend. And my uncle was so nice to her, like, to her and her face. Like, he he didn't, like, his acting ability on par, the better than Will Smith, okay? And when she walked out the door, he turned around and was like, if you bring another white bitch in this house again, I swear to God, I'll end you. And I'm just like, and, like, the way he said it, I'm like, oh, shit, like, I'm like, he meant that. Like he meant he meant that whatever fiber in his being. And like, I want to say like maybe a day or two, he kicked me out after it too. Like I, I I kicked out for it. Like, wow. And why do they why why do they hate each other so much? I just don't I know I know because slavery, but I just I just don't understand the hate. There's a lot of there's a lot of generational trauma. There's a lot of media and government at play, system, systematic race. There's a lot of reasons why this is perpetuated hate. But I promise you, I'm not going to be one that continues that. So I'm accepting of all people, places and things and genders. And uh, regardless Same. of what somebody might look at or look like, whatever, um, you are my friend. You know, as long as you do your best to be a loving human being and you're not mistreating people and you just don't get to punch my kid in the face, you know, like we're not doing that. Makes Agreed. sense. I love all people where they are in their life is like you said, as long as you're as long as what you love to do don't hurt other people. That's why I tell my son, be yourself, do what you like, do what makes you happy, as long as it doesn't hurt other people. I think this episode was extremely needed um, because that's one thing that we all, but me and Heather bonded over first was the fact of like where we started out at in recovery and the fact of our childhood experiences. And then when I met Diamond, it was because me and Diamond are on the same page of like not allowing people to dictate who we are, or how we're going to treat people and how we're going to care for people. And if you ain't got it, I'm not about to sit here and pretend like I'm, I'm not following I'm not following a dummy. Okay. Like you can't trick. I'm not going to just, I'm not half-assing supporting people, you know, like, and this, like this, this venture to expose truths and talk about trauma and talk about our childhood and expose things that are happening that people like need to be aware of. And it's just like, this is, this is what makes me feel better because our world is not this dark, you know, it looks very dark in certain ways, but like, it's really not like, I just feel like this is a, a 2022, everyone's starting to wake up and they're trying to keep us separated. And we're all waking up together beautifully, I think. So is there anything else that anybody wants to say? I think this is a good time. To, uh, yeah, I think that was a, a great topic. That was good. And thank you, Diamond, for Diamond. You were right, yeah. rocked it. She's like, I'm only gonna talk a little bit. Then you got her. She, you came in like a wrecking ball. I 
came in. Okay, just call me Miley Cyrus. <laughs> I still that like good. that song. It was I remember good. when that will forever out. be my song. Right? When it, that oh my God. Was, everybody it's was taking on it and her, but yeah. I loved it. I love the climb. I love the climb. I still listen to it. Oh, it's, yeah. it's going to be on every single phone I ever have. Oh, I think I just heard it. Don't come at me for playing Miley Cyrus. She's a shit. Thank you for listening, everybody.